0: Well, at this time, James Underwood, our dear friend, is coming to bring us the word today. So grateful for James. He's a dear friend and a blessing for sure in this house. And uh, we just want to welcome him this morning to bring the word that the Lord has put in his heart. Would you extend your hand as we prepare to receive the word today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your servant, James, whom we love, who we know. Lord, and who lives out the word in his life. And Lord, as he brings to us the word that you have planted in him today, Lord, I know that it's not just a word on his lips, it's a word in his life. That you, the pathways have been forged through him and now forged them into our heart, we pray. We bless our brother and we receive our, the word from your servant and our friend, James, in the name of the Lord. All God's people said, Amen.
1: Hallelujah. Before I even start, I want to do two things. First, I want to pray for my own self. Thank you. I receive the prayers of, of others, but also I want it to be from my own lips to his ears that this is his word. Okay? So that's, and, and then I'm going to invite, I know you guys are just waiting for the sermon, I got one other testimony I want to invite before we get into that. And I will have you out of here by four o'clock, because that's when my, my daughter needs to be in Minneapolis, and I'm her driver. So we'll see how long we go. Let's pray, and then I'm going to invite Jean. Heavenly Father, you are the God of life. You're the only life. Everything else leaves us empty, but you fill us over and over and over. You fill us with newness of life. You equip us for the journey before us. You set us on a path of life, and we journey with you on the path of life. And so we commit this word and this day and our time remaining into your loving care. You are the shepherd. You are the teacher. You are the God of life. And we pray that we would hear well and receive all that you want to say into our spirits today. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. I have invited Jean to share a testimony. It's not exactly a testimony. This is part of the message, okay? Um, Because she has shared, I've heard it, and it's so good. I didn't want you to miss. So Jean, it's yours.
2: The Saturday before we were to bring the refugees, uh, their care packs I was out with my husband shopping for a meal I had to prepare, and I needed meat, and for things to give to the Karen refugees. So we went to Aldi's first. Now, I'm going to drop some really big-name, high-class things here, so be ready for it. But we went to Aldi's, and I got my meat, because I had asked God to to make the way for these things. You know, would you please provide something I can afford, and and it... um, You know, so that this meal will be good. And coming out of all these, lo and behold, on the ground was one of these. And if you can't see, it's a crumpled up $20 bill. Just laying on the sidewalk. And so I scooped it up and stuck it in my pocket and said, "Thank you, Lord. That bought the Correns some things. I spent it." So I went back to anyway, never mind. Then it, then we went to Walmart. And when we got up to the cash register, I looked down and there on the floor were these. Three shiny pennies. I picked them up. I always do. And then I looked over to the waiting area, and there was a man, God said, from Cambodia. told me in my heart, Cambodia, standing, looking so dejected. I thought, either you've been waiting on your wife, and she's been here a long time, or, you know, you're just dejected. But right in front of his feet was this. This this penny has been through the war. It's been uh, mashed and dirtied and sullied. So when I got home, I thought, you know, this is just too good. I've I've got to tell about this. And because I had spent the original $20, which was looking like that one, I went back to the bank to ask for another broken, torn-up $20 bill. And they gave me one. Now, when I went in there, the bank was loaded with people, just loaded. And when I asked for this, someone asked the vital question. There were two ladies there at the cash register. One of them asked the question, what are you going to do with this? And inside, I'm saying, God, this... The bank's too full. I can't do this. I can't take the time to stand there. And I turn around and look, and the bank was empty. Not fair. And so I told those two girls what I was going to use it for, that I was going to use it as an illustration for the youth and that um, we're going to you know, that I would bring that and use it for the word. By the way, I'm going to backtrack a minute. Well, let's go ahead with this one. I went in, and those two women were as different as night and day in how they received what I said. One of them had dancing eyes, and she just couldn't get enough of it. Oh, that's so good. That's so good she was with me. The other one couldn't get more bored as I spoke and withdrawn. So one received and one did not. I'm going to backtrack to the man that was so dejected. I picked up the penny in front of him, and I said, is this yours? And he said, no. No that is God's blessing to you today. And, you know, it's true because that had been something that my mom had used all her life, a penny of blessing. I carry one in my Bible, one of my old Bibles. But from the moment he said that, we began to talk and I blessed him and He went over in the other register a couple lines away, and we were waving back and forth at each other. And we went out the door together, and in the parking lot, he's waving at me and smiling the biggest smile. Now, why do you think he was doing that? And then in the bank, God said, look here, sister. You don't get to tell about it unless you're willing to do it. The most important thing that came out of that, and I had a lot more, which I will not burden you with. Some of you might feel and identify with this 20-dirty, torn, crumpled-up $20 bill. You've got a lot of potential. You're worth lots, but some things have come into your life and those things have dirtied you and torn you and cast you into the dirt. And your opinion about yourself is not very high, but you know what you can do. Or maybe you feel like the, right, the bright, shiny pennies. Your personality sparkles. You just seem to attract people. They like to be around you because you're fun, you know, and things like that. But nobody knows what's inside the heart of these sparklers, do they? But maybe you identify with the one that has just, your life has been a system of getting pounded. really pounded and you have not ever 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 had attention or or moved into the place where you thought you had any value whatsoever you've been under somebody's feet or somebody's weight all your life so this is what i say to you today do you want me to say that? My hands are only shaking a little bit. I can take this back to the bank and trade it for a brand new one, but it's still worth $20 bills. And these pennies, though they sparkle and shine and everybody looks and says, I wish I was like them. They probably and many times feel like they don't have any value on the inside, like they're not worth a cent. But for this one, God's heart and His eye is on you. He walked the same path that you've walked. And he recognizes how valuable that is to his reward in the kingdom of heaven. So there now you're going to get the rest of the sermon.
1: Today we are speaking from Psalm 84. And I know Pastor Jim mentioned Psalm 84 last week. If you're from Haitian Christian Fellowship, You already heard this, but it's always new in Christ. They got the preview, guys, so they're ahead of us. And God has given me, I used to have a point of pride, I'd never repeat a message because I wanted it to be, you know, but God kind of repeats himself sometimes, and if the message won't go away from my heart, then it stays here until it comes out to his people. So, okay, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about his word from here and from here out to here, okay? We're going to Psalm 84. You can read it if you want. I'm going to read the whole thing. Bear with me. It's okay. It's good stuff. This is better. This is better than this, right? Okay. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrows found a home. The swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near Your altar, Lord Almighty, my King, my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your house, in your courts, than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good Does He withhold from Him whose walk is blameless? Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in You. I want to talk first about hearts set on pilgrimage. Now, in uh, you read the story of baby Samuel. Remember, the family went every year up to Shiloh. Then they didn't even have a temple yet, but every year they went to honor God with their sacrifices and their offerings. So in David's day or so, they had the temple and they go up to the temple as a pilgrimage. Now, we don't go to Jerusalem for, that's not what I mean when our hearts are set on pilgrimage. We don't have to go to Jerusalem. Okay. What do we do if our hearts are set on pilgrimage? Think about it a second. Because, you know, we all do daily life, right? So where are we going? Where do we go at least once a year? Pilgrimage, kind of draw near to God and honor him for what he's done. I have preached another sermon on seek ye first the kingdom of God. We all know the verse, but we don't do it with our lives, right? Seek ye first the kingdom. I'm worried about getting to work on time, not the kingdom of God. I'm worried about getting my bus to the end point on time, not worried about the kingdom of God. Oh, yes, kingdom of God. Our hearts are on pilgrimage toward the kingdom of God. And I'm speaking in Seek Ye First. He's talking about all the holy things that we do. We pray and we fast and we put on the right clothes and we, you know, we do all the religious stuff to show. And Jesus is saying, don't even do that stuff. Just your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God and all the other stuff will be added to you. So relationally, I implore you, set your heart on Pilgrimage. Draw near to God relationally. I don't care about religious. I care about religiously. But second, that's secondary. That's a symptom. The heart is what matters. Your heart on pilgrimage to God. Yes. Your heart on pilgrimage to God. Okay? That's where I want us to be going. That's when the people I resonate with, they're going for God. Everything else is kind of goes and comes. You know, good days, bad days, vacation weeks. Hallelujah for vacation. You know. It passes, and we're back to the grind. So is the journey heart set on pilgrimage? Okay, that's the first thing I want to say. Is your heart set on pilgrimage? Second thing, pilgrimage is not a trouble-free life. This is actually my main point. The heart set on pilgrimage, we always think, I'm doing it God's way. He's got to bless me. Not so. Not so. It just doesn't work that way. Real life is real life. And so we can't just think, oh, I'm doing it God's way, so it's all going to be blessed. How many, I've preached this before, too, how many people in the Bible have a trouble-free life? It just does not happen very often. And it does not mean that they're off the path of pilgrimage, okay? In our, our culture, our quote-unquote popular Christian culture, I don't mean Bible Christian, popular Christian culture, if adversity comes, we think we must have missed God's path. We think, oh, if, I'd, if only I'd stayed on the way, it would have been blessed. The, the problem wouldn't have happened, whatever. But not so. If our hearts are set on pilgrimage, it's not a trouble-free life. So the question is, we're going through the valley. The message title is Through the Valley. And in Psalm 84, which I drew from and Jim referenced also last week, I get excited I used to get mad when this happened, when God says the same thing twice, but now I'm going, oh, no, he's just confirming it's good, yeah. So heart's set on, on pilgrimage, and as we pass through the Valley of Baca, pass through the Valley of Baca. Now, they don't know exactly what Baca means, but it's wilderness or dry or a kind of tree that grows in dry places, okay? So it's basically a low place. Valleys are low places, not mountaintop. We're talking valleys. You know, knew that already, right? Okay, good, you're ahead of me. <laughs> um, but it's a low place, a dry place, a hurting place. There's not much, there's not much there to keep you going. How are you going to get through that valley? Couldn't we just skip the valley and get straight to the mountain? As they pass through the valley of Baca, place of wilderness, a place of dryness, desolate, barren wilderness, they make it a place of springs, The autumn rains cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So Christian life is not all mountaintop, but many valleys on the path to life. On the path to life. So valleys are normal, not a missed path. It's part of the journey. And God provides for us en route. Rain, water. Sometimes our tears water the valleys. Okay? Okay. We're going to get there in a second, too. But what he takes us through, he strengthens us through till each appears before God in Zion. He's not going to say, oh, James, it's too bad. I give up on him. He's not going to give up on you till each appears before God in Zion, if your heart's set on pilgrimage. Your heart can be set on other stuff, and you've got other problems. Okay. Some parallels, because it's not just one. Psalm 23. Everyone knows Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I want to look there a second. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down. Green pastures, this is the good stuff. Quiet waters, that's the stuff I like. He refreshes my soul. That's the stuff I like. He guides me along the right paths. That's the stuff I like. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, who's leading here? Did I miss the path? He guides me along the right paths. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So will you get it, please get it out of your head that when the adversity hits, it doesn't mean you're off the path. Please get that out of your head. We always feel like we messed up. I don't want you to feel like you messed up. I want you to say, oh God, this is a valley. Where's your strength? Where's your po- autumn rains? Where's your pools? Where's your springs of refreshment? Yea, though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepared a table before me in the presence of my friends, of my enemies. Even the refreshment, the renewal, the re energizing, the nourishment is in the presence of our enemies. They look and they go, how come he's still going, right? Because God prepares a table for us even when we go through the valley, and it will strengthen us. His rod, his staff, they comfort us, and he's going to see us through to his table, and we can eat and go on because he is a God of life and of power and of strength. He, keeps, he doesn't give up halfway. Oh, James, it's too much of a trouble case. Uh, enough of him. I'm going to work with Tom for a while. That's not God. He says, "Oh, well, I bought this guy. I got to get him in." He paid for me. He's going to see me through. All right, a few more here. Not just a few more. We're good. We got 25 minutes. Ha I got three hours and 25 minutes. On a pilgrimage, what is our destination? In Hebrews twelve two, it introduces Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. Same word author that we get the word architect from. Okay, it's almost like the beginner, different versions have different words. Beginner, perf- uh, yeah, anyway. Author or think of architect of your faith, of our faith. Now, if you're an author or an architect, you have something in mind when you start, right? Okay, Kerry Kimmel, our, our local resident architect. When Kerry Kimmel has has uh, does architecture, he's got a building in mind. He's got a building in mind. And he doesn't just instantly, there it is. He puts, they, they work about, Structure. They work about lighting. They work about wiring. They work about piping. They, every piece of the structure is in mind for the architect from the beginning. That, I mean, they might work out details as they go, but they don't have just the, just the shell, the movie set building. No, they've got a building structure in mind from the beginning. Jesus is the beginning of our faith. He's the architect, author of our faith. He's not going to start and go, say, oh, I wonder where this will go. He's, got, he's the author, but he writes the story as we live. And he's got the end. He's the perfecter, or finisher, completer of our faith. of our faith. So he didn't just start James and say, where is this James going to end up? He's kind of a mess, kind of a problem. i got to work too hard on this one. No, he's got the end in mind. And he writes until it is finished. He knows the last word. He knows the beginning from the end. He's the alpha and the omega first and the last. He was slain before the foundation of the world and he's going to reign eternally. And we get, we were talking about the throne and the multitude there. We're going to be there. We're going to be there. Author and finisher of the faith. And we're in his story. We're in his story. So when the adversity comes, does that mean, oh, he skipped a page? He wrote us through it. All right. Psalm 84, I quoted already, we go from strength to strength. He knows it's hard. So he says, okay, we got to get a little more strength into this guy. Strength. Need a little more strength. Strength to strength. I don't think it's just the twice, you know. It's you know, it's strength and strength and strength along the journey until we appear before God in Zion. It's so good. We're not in this alone. We're not in, we don't have to make it, right, figure it out, gird up our bootstraps. It's him in us, strength to strength, till we appear before God. And the destination is we appear before God in Zion. We get to be part of that multitude. Psalm 23, where do we end up in Psalm 23? He set a table before me in the presence of my foes, but I get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, I want to go there. I want that more. I want to go now. But he's still writing the story. Yeah. So hearts set on pilgrimage, it's a worthy goal to be with God wherever he takes us. But to end up, our end will be Zion, or the house of God, the table of God. It's a good place to go. It's, good, it's worth setting your heart for that. OK. Wilderness valleys hurt. They're barren. They are not fun. So why walk the valleys? Why not just go around? I go, "Oh, valley there." <laughs> oh, good now. Why not just start? or or like say, "God, uh, I'd like airlift here please." He sends a helicopter. <laughs> 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 He's a better pilot than I am. <laughs> We're through. No problem, right? So why do I have to go, "Oh, why walk through the valleys? I got some thoughts on that. First of all, we are changed when we go through something. Okay? We are changed, we are developed, we are matured, we are strengthened. If you never have any adversity in your life, you never get strong. Right? Just when, when you're working out, I don't know, I don't work out, but don't, don't you like lift weights or something like that? And it's like, if the weight was feather, what good is that? Right? So if it's weight, the more weight you lift, the stronger you get. Right? So the valleys, walking through the valleys, they strengthen us to get through what we've got to get through for normal life. Just basic stuff, right? So if you skip the valley, will you skip that strength. Do you want that? Mm, double-minded here, I am. Life is a process, and it takes time and effort. Life is organic, not a machine. It is life, not formula. It is relationship, not formula. Adversity, the valleys build character, And experience and wisdom, perspective, patience, understanding, knowledge. I could say a lot more. But think how much more you respect someone who's been through something than someone who's never been through anything. Oh, they had it easy. You Kind of write them off, right? But someone who's been through something, oh, and they're still walking with God. Then doesn't your, you just, you don't even say it. You just know that. When you meet them, you go, Yes, that's a man of God. That's a woman of God. I will listen to her. Anything she wants to say, I will listen to. Okay, so adversity builds our character, our experience, our wisdom, all of that stuff. Um, I sometimes like the sports example. I'm not super into sports, but a little bit. So if you get, um, every year they have the um, college graduates and who's going to be in the top top and who's going to be top draft and where are they in the draft and but in the end so after all these football stars they're really good in school and stuff then when they graduate then they go into the pros and where do they get picked and are they just as good when they go into pros everyone's wait and see right we get all these superstar college athletes they go into the pros and it's like well we'll see So our adversity, they don't become a real hero in the pro world until they've been through a few games. All the potentials there, it's all the same, but they're not there yet. They're just a rookie. So in our Christian life, we have rookies and we have veterans. And Where are you going to look to? So if you've walked through some valleys, you've got some experience, and you can speak to situations as they arrive because you've been through them. All right, we are progressing. This is good. The valleys also build companionship. If you've been through a valley or you've been through something with somebody, you've got a bond, right? I I think I'm, I'm not an army vet, but think of army vets who have been in a war together. There's something they know. They don't even need words for it. They just say, yeah. They see each other and go, yeah. They know, they understand, no words needed. So there's a companionship, a bonding that can happen to us when we have been through a valley with somebody. Child loss, there's a thousand things it could be. I don't even want to give you all the bad stuff that could happen. You know it. But when you go through a valley with somebody, you get a bond with that person. If you're by yourself, it's a lot harder. But now... Think this, companionship bonding, think of that with God also, okay? I feel, frankly, closest to God, not in the happy, happy times, but in I feel closest to God in the lowest times. It's like he comes down, he comes down and says, I got you, James. I got you. I'm with you. And I feel, one of the verses talks about the fellowship of his suffering, that I may know Christ in the fellowship of his suffering. He walks with us through the valley. And that, if God is, if your heart's on pilgrimage, that's where you're going, and you're with God in it, there's a bond, like I said, on that army. There's a bond with God in those low places that nothing can reproduce. And other people just go, oh, how do they do it? Well, somebody's got my back. And I bond with God in the lowest places in ways that, I, yeah, that I can't even describe. Um, okay, a couple of verses. Psalm 126.5. These are going to go by fast. 126.5. We sow with tears. Yeah. We reap with joy. So we'll skip the tears. Psalm 56, 8, God puts our tears in a bottle. You don't say, just dry up, James. Come on, get over it, boy. He treasures the tears that we weep in pilgrimage for him. He treasures it. I'm not going to waste one tear. It comes from your soul, and I treasure it. He saves it. He puts it in a bottle of wineskin, but that's Okay. Paul spoke in 2 Corinthians 1 and 8 he spoke of his troubles in Asia he was not off the path Paul 2 Corinthians 1 8 Paul speaks of his troubles great pressure beyond endurance despaired even of life itself so that we would rely not on ourselves but on God he has delivered us and he will deliver us that's a short version of 1 Corinthians 2 Corinthians 1 you can check it out okay so first of all valleys Change us and we are strengthened through it. Secondly, got two more. We affect the place that we walk through. We bring change. The valley becomes a place of springs. How did that happen? I just walked through, crawled through, but how did the valley? Our, I believe our tears, when we are engaged, our heart is on pilgrimage, we are engaged in the things of God. When we walk through a low place, that place changes. By our being there. I believe that. It becomes, the valley becomes a place of springs. The autumn rains water it. God says, my boy's in there. I got to get some water. Let's get the water going. Okay. Um, we are, sorry. It's not, It's not by me being brave and strong and walking through. Then it's just James and he's a good guy. But if we are on pilgrimage, our heart is toward God and we walk through. Then, you know, why should he water the valley if I'm just doing my own thing? You know, right? But it's the things of God that he wants to bring refreshment and through it. So when we walk through with our heart on pilgrimage, he will water the valley. It becomes a place of springs. So the next person through goes, Oh, it's not as dry. He said it was so bad. He's he's got water. You know, so other people think it's easier than because because we've already been there. Um, a couple more here. Paul speaks about us as um, we, because we are the people of God, we are ambassadors of the kingdom, and so that means um, of Second Corinthians five twenty, we're ambassadors. That means we have a credibility to speak of the presence and power of God in a low place, not just oh everything will be better. It's okay, brother. In the lowest places, God meets us. And we can speak his life. We are his ambassadors. Um, We are the salt of the earth. You want to stay in the bottle? Salt of the earth. We get poured out. We get kind of walked on sometimes. But we get eaten up sometimes. Salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. We are the light of the world. I mean, Jesus is the big light. But he said to his disciples, to his followers, you're the light of the world. So do you want that valley to have a little light in it? That's where they need the light, right? So are we going to walk through or not? All right. One more on this. When you, metaphorically, if you walk on something, you master it. You with me? You master a place. If you walk through a place, you know that place. You master it. This is really hard, but I'm going to make it. The guys who climb the mountain, right? They've kind of mastered the mountain, right? It's like... or. Everest and stuff. Yeah, I conquered the mountain. But what about our valleys? If we walk through the valley, we master the valley. Because we know that doesn't kill us anymore. We've been through it. We're okay. We're on pilgrimage. We're going to Zion. Yes, we mastered this valley. It's become a place of springs. We're walking in Christ. Now, Christ in you, the hope of glory. I keep coming back to that one too. Christ in you and me, the hope of glory. So it's not like Again, James is so good, he made the valley. But Christ in us, if we master the valley, Christ in us masters the valley. Okay? Okay? So, my city bus, I go some good routes and some bad routes. Christ masters the bad routes when I drive them. Christ masters the bad routes when I drive them. Not because I'm such a great driver, but because Christ is in me and I'm an intercessor and I need him here, and oh, God, this is a dark place, send your light. He sends the light, okay, because I'm there. If I said, oh, I'm not doing that route, I'm going to come this way, we detour again, well, okay, we're fine, but that place needed some light. So when we detour the valleys, in some ways, sometimes we are diminishing the lordship or mastery that Christ wanted in that place. Are you with me? So this takes a servant heart. This takes a humble heart. This takes a a faith-filled heart if you're going to walk the valleys in Christ. But in Christ, he masters those valleys. They become a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it. So we don't do that by going around. Okay. Some Bible examples on walking. God helps Abraham go walk through the length and breadth of the land. I'm giving it to you. He wants the helicopter over. I don't know if he would have got it or not. He had to walk there. That's Genesis 13, 17. Deuteronomy eleven, twenty-four. God tells Israel, every place where you set your foot, or the soles of your foot, literally. I don't know, maybe we should go barefoot. The soles of your foot will be yours. You can master these places, friends, in Christ. Joshua 1.3, God makes the same promise to Joshua as he takes over leading. I will give you every place where you set the sole of your foot. Joshua 3, priests carrying the ark. They're going to cross the Jordan. They get right up to the water's edge. Oh, still water there. They're going to stop there? They have to put their foot in the water first before the water stops. When they put their foot in the water, the water stops and they pass through on dry ground. You know these stories, okay? So I'm talking about when we walk through life, we sometimes have to take a step, and it's, oh, that's cold water.
0: Oh,
1: God will get us through because he's got the goal in mind. 2 Corinthians 6, God says to the believers, I will live with them. I will walk among them. I will be their God. So God walks among us. That's pretty cool, too. I I feel that Sundays when I'm here. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. We have the light in us, but we'll have the light of life. And Jesus in John 12 says, if you're going to have the light just a little while longer, walk while you have the light. Before darkness overtakes you, whoever walks in the dark doesn't know where they're going. Oh, my friends, we have the light. Let's keep walking. Okay, I'm gonna review and close. We go through the valleys because our heart is set on pilgrimage. We don't want to skip anything of the journey that God has for us. We are changed. We are developed. We are matured as we walk through the valleys. We bring change to the valleys as we walk through them. Christ masters the place when we walk through it. The valley's not the end of the story. We're going to Zion, the house of God. Oh, I don't want to take any shortcuts on your, God, on your journey, God. Um, so the question is where are you walking? And is your heart on pilgrimage? And is it low? Is it dry? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Set your heart on pilgrimage, Pathways of Zion. I'm going to just go ahead and close here, Pastor Jim. And um, if you want to pray, we would like to help you water your valleys, but I'm going to not make anyone stay who's got other things to do. Um, I'm going to pray and give a benediction, and then anyone who wants to can stay, and and we'll pray together with whoever wants. If we've got a huge crowd wanting prayer, then I'll ask prayer minister types to come up. Otherwise, we'll be good. And I love that this is the benediction that God told the priest to give his people from numbers. So this is what God said to offer to you guys. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. and Be gracious to you the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.